Blog Talk Radio. July 31st, the last day of July, 2022, Sunday evening. I'm Tanya Hathaway, and I'm your host with Tanya Talks, where your voice is heard and your stories told on Marty Oakley, TS Radio Network, and Stephen Burke's 89.9 KLRB-FM Lighthouse Christian Radio. If you're in Oklahoma and the surrounding area, you can tune in uh, to Lighthouse Christian Radio. Otherwise, we imagine you've either called in Marty Oakley's line at 917-388-4520 and you're listening or you're listening live stream. Thank you so much for calling in, for following the show. I'm sorry I wasn't able to come on last week. I had that little bit of something that's going around, whatever anybody wants to call it. I've got my own name for it. Uh, you can call it what you want, but uh, but I had a, I I couldn't talk all that much, so it's a little bit like razor blades on my throat. You know, something like what they would say in the old days with strep throat. Remember that? Remember those days when they would call that strep throat? Hmm. What do they call it now? Whatever. 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 <laughs> okay. So the whistleblower summit has. Come and gone this year. Marty, would you like to talk a little bit about how that went? It went beautiful, and we had such a good response. Uh, We have fielded, I don't know how many messages, emails behind that. Not one negative comment. Um, Been asked to come to several places across the country and speak, and um, it's just, uh, it, it went off very well. Uh, we didn't have the intentional interference we had last year um, because one of the glory oh, hubs was with somebody else. Yeah, and mm-hmm. um, we didn't have that. But at one point, he, uh, McRae, uh, discontinued recording, and then it tell you the recording has been stopped, and then recording has resumed. There's about a four to five minute lapse there. But fortunately, Chris in Australia taped the whole thing. <laughs> so we got it. Oh, anyway. that's good. That's yeah. good. So no matter what, you've yep. got the full thing. We're that's that's yep. good. The whole, but we the did well. Script. Oh, that's great. Say what? Well, there's normally that's that's great. You have the full the full transcript for it, despite what the other version is. Yes, right. He's done everything. Tried to get us out of there, and uh, I said he's tried everything to get us out of there because I won't play games with him, and um, he wants to put the glory hog in there. And Marcel is absolutely adamant: no Marty, no Summit. So that's how it goes. And so, any thanks for giving me a minute to talk there. Anytime. I mean, you're why this show happens. <laughs> so we, we sound like we have a little bit of interference going on now every few seconds yeah. or 10 seconds. Yeah, they're so static. we're getting some kind of strange noise. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, okay. okay. So this is, we'll, we'll try to try to deal with that. If there's any outside interference, hopefully we can uh, do away with that. Um you see anything on your end, Marty? She's still there? I don't know well, if she's okay, still there. Maybe. Okay. Well, it's okay. It is, once again, it's Sunday. It's July 31st, 2022. And uh, we are talking tonight, to, uh, once again, to Dean and Kimberly Black who are fighting for their future together because of a number of reasons uh, that, uh, okay, we're still live. All right, Marty said she just lost her audio. Okay, that's good. Thank you, Marty. Um, This family is being railroaded. This innocent man, uh, Dean, he was protecting his 
Oh, she's trying to get back on. That's good. Thank you, Marty. We would love you to to chime in anytime you want here. You know that, Marty. Okay. Um, Black been busy. Been busy filing motions. He's representing himself now because he's experienced what so many have experienced. That you're better off representing yourself because. If you're in the wrong court, if you're in the wrong case, if you're not one of the good old boys, then um, it doesn't matter who you've got fighting for you. Um, they can tend to work against you. So tonight we're going to hear quite a bit about the different forces that be, and uh, and we're going to go dig a little deeper into why things like this happen. Uh, hopefully uh, you've heard part one because this is part two. But uh, we'll briefly, uh, Dean, you're going to it, it, just briefly tell this, uh, a summary of the story of what happened, you know, over three days' time and where you're out at now and what you charged it with. And then we're going to get into some court dates uh, that have come and gone, and we're going to get into what you're facing, and then we're going to get into some of the history of why we believe this is happening. I got gotcha. you. Um, for anybody that hadn't heard part one, basically, uh, Kim's daughter had a protect, had a problem with her boyfriend of seven years. He just went off the deep end. You, we're, we all know that every once in a while from somewhere in our lives. He lost mm-hmm. it and he went berserk and he ended up trying to kill us. He fired off upwards of a dozen rounds at us. And I was wounded. I retreated into the house along with Kim and Bailey. Uh, Kim and uh, Bailey's the daughter. And uh, who was twenty-seven weeks pregnant at the time? Was that correct? Twenty-four, twenty-seven yeah, 20, weeks pregnant at the time. Yeah, with his child. Yeah, twenty-seven, twenty-seven, twenty-eight weeks. She was okay. third trimester. Okay. And he just lost. It, it, it was just a simple case of hard times and hard knocks for him, in my opinion, and and he did some stupid stuff, and one thing led to another, and it ended up in almost killing us. And in the process of, uh, in the process of all of that, apparently, unbeknownst to us, police showed up on scene at the same time with the perpetrator, on the same street at exactly the same time, within eyesight of each other, and somehow he got away. Figure that one out. And this is after this is after two and a half days, two days of him stalking you, a round scene, um, yeah, put out was, and and threats on on text messages or destruction of property. Yeah, it, it was property. three days of hell. Mm-hmm. Okay. And basically, I woke up that morning. I woke up that morning, and uh, Ken, I, I, I'd only been awake. I'd only been awake about maybe 15 minutes when, uh, maybe 15 minutes when, uh, after being awake since Thursday. Uh, yeah. Basically, the uh, anyway, Bailey decided she wanted something to eat from McDonald's. She left. And by the time it registered to me that she was leaving, she'd already left. Otherwise, I, to- I would have told her not to go. But anyway, he ends up stalking her back into uh, stalking her back home from McDonald's, and Kim comes running in the house screaming for me that he was there. A skirmish ensues out front, telling him to leave. He comes back roughly three and a half minutes later and opens fire. He comes back. We're on the front porch talking to 911 during this whole time, telling him where we thought he was and what was going on. You know how that is. You're trying to tell three days a story inside of three minutes. Right. And so you had been on the phone with 911 uh, prior to this happening. Yes. Anyway, he opens fire. He opens fire while the while the phone is still open. We all run into the house, and all hell breaks loose inside just from the standpoint, the screaming, the hollering, the animals 
one of the animals was climbing Bailey like a tree. I mean, even the animals were terrified. Had two dogs and, or I'm sorry, a dog and uh, old dog and three cats. One was climbing Bailey like a tree. And anyway, then uh, I was also hit in the back. When when I was hit in the back, I didn't know how bad it was. I knew it just burned like hell. So you had shrapnel both in your leg and in your back, in your shoulder. Yes. And I could see my leg, and I knew that, you know, I could deal with my leg, but I couldn't see my back. And so Mm -hmm. I asked Kim to check my back, check my back. And while she's checking my back and looking at basically a pencil pencil eraser-sized hole in my, in my, right over my spine, uh, somebody comes to the front door. We think it's Hayden. And he starts coming in. He opens the outer so you door think and it's starts the perpetrator. to open the wood door. Uh, okay. You think it's yeah. the perpetrator? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it was only and it was only like forty three seconds from the last gunfire. He was originally okay. about fifty five, sixty paces from the front door, and where this alleged officer who so showed up. Uh, was parked. He, uh, the alleged officer was 30 paces from the front door, basically half the distance. I figured out. I figured out later that it would have taken Payne basically 35 to 40 seconds to basically walk normal speed and reload to make it to the front door. Okay. Anyway, he starts to come in, and we defend ourselves, thinking it's Payne. Um, we come out of. Uh, we we. The, the, the 911 calls kind of, uh, it, it's funky. It's been edited. They edited it because they know it's exculpatory. They have not provided it. They haven't in provided the complete. Okay. In two years, in two years, they edited the tape. They they removed all the ta- uh, all of the areas where Kim was Kim and I were talking about my back, for example. Mm-hmm. They removed all of that. They know we know it. And they keep refusing to do it or disclose it. It's intentional. To turn over the original audio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they actually they they won't. I won't say they cut over it. They scrambled it. If you know anything about audio software and audio file, in other words, say you're a musician and you wanna and you want to uh, edit a cut, say in other words, overdub, for example, is a is an right. auditing editing type thing you do in in say music. Um, right. They do that. They they did those sure. kind of things. To provide to layers. To, yeah. Okay. To, they they just to scramble the audio, and they did it with a computer. And the guy who did it probably had all the IQ of a ten-year-old. Well, and the but yet there still the, the, uh, but there still needs to be the original audio from the nine one one call that is not scrambled. Correct. Correct. Because well, the piece of should, that that's missing is where Dean alerted 911 that he was coming in. Yeah. And anyway, all that's cut out. That's the that's the Reader's Digest version. We wander around. At, at the end of the 911, I'm, uh, I'm asking them if they have pain in custody like four times. Okay. So and, and the 911 operator Yeah, I, I kept saying, do you have him in custody? Do you have him in custody? Yes or no? Because I needed to know because I was afraid of what the girls would do if they saw him as we were coming out of the house. I thought they'd freak out. I didn't know what they'd do. I just wanted to know if he was if he was in custody, so they wouldn't be okay, freaking so out. Anybody who is familiar with um, with the docket system in Oklahoma, you can jump online and you can see this case. It's on OSCN.net, and the the case number is let me see 2000 and uh, okay it's CF 2020-2265. CF 2020-2265. Now uh, please keep in mind that there are, as as what happens in, in cases of high controversy, not everything is actually on this docket. As a matter of fact, there's been um, some uh, something that's under seal, a, an affidavit that's under seal, but yet it's mar- not marked as if it's under seal. It's marked as though it's a statement of fact. I believe it's marked that way, a statement. 
uh, or an affidavit, as if it's an an affidavit, but an affidavit that has no, no substance to it because the affidavit is actually under a seal. So you open this up and you see that there's supposed to be an affidavit, but yet there is no affidavit. So, you know, as is, you know, true to course with, especially with Tulsa District Court and the high profile and controversial cases, you're not going to find all of everything that you should be able to find. There was absolutely no application to the court to actually put anything under seal and correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and uh, the original criminal felony or initial filing uh, is available at the court clerk's office. Why can't we say it here? Why can't we see where it says, where, why can't we see the PDF where you, with what you are charged with? I don't know. I don't know. Why can't we see this affidavit of probable cause, a document available at the court clerk's office? Well, gee whiz, why is it on earth? was never even arraigned and it's almost two and a half years later oh i'm getting i'm going way ahead but go ahead you can continue yeah after we came at the end of the i kept asking if they had because this guy in custody and they said i don't and the operator says i don't know what's going on the 911 operator dispatch whatever says i don't know what's going mm-hmm. on they tell us to come to the front door with our hands up. In other words, they arrest us across the threshold. That's what it's called, <laughs> which, is, okay. which is also unconstitutional, by the way. And the significance uh, of, okay, explain the significance of that, if you would, please, to our listeners. Well, basically, they arrested it. They, they, arre- they seized the entire house in rim. In other words, they seized the house and everything in it as if we were a bunch of caged animals. Okay, so they turned everything upside down. Nobody's asked you if you are okay at this point. No. No. The 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 nine one one that that gets into the con, uh, part of the controversy of the nine one one as well. Um, I won't go into all that right now. That gets pretty detailed. Uh, okay. But the thing the thing about it is is we we're coming out of the house and I'm I'm. I was getting ready to get in the shower when this whole thing started. And I even say, I need to put some pants on. Because I wasn't even wearing any. I was basically in my underwear. I was in my underwear in a, in a button-down uh, button uh, uh, redhead shirt from Bass Pro. And that's okay. all I was wearing. And I was in my underwear, barefoot and everything else. I, I get to the door. I open it up. Immediately, the, uh, we see we see a stack of guns stacked up like a totem pole at the edge of the garage pointing at us through the front door. Hayden Payne is apparently taken off somewhere. He's nowhere to be seen anywhere on the street. His equinox is gone and everything else. And Let me ask you, I'm going to interrupt you here, if you don't mind. Yeah. Did, they, did you tell them the vehicle that Hayden Payne drives? Yes. When you called they knew day. they were looking for a black Chevy Equinox. Okay, and so at this point, the Equinox is gone. All right. According according to the officer, witnesses said, people outside the house and up and down the street all said that the officer and Payne were on the same street at the same time. Within uh, eye shot of each other. other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. within eye shot of each other. So anyway. So you have witnesses and, and, to that. Okay. So, so we open the front door. We see this totem pole of firearms stacked at the corner of the garage. The girls freak out. They think they're going to get shot, and I'm trying to keep my cool. And I just said, hey, you got the wrong people, man. That's the end of the tape. Well, that's the end of the tape. And so what actually continues? We go out of the house. We're hanging around. We're all we're all hanging in the in the driveway with about 20 officers walking around. We're outside for about 45 minutes, I guess, or so before they finally put me in handcuffs for unknown reasons. Okay, but it wait a minute. Now, in between that time, in between then and now, 45 minutes from now, who's gone off to get to get Hayden Payne? No one. Nobody. They they think I'm Hayden Payne. How many times did you tell them you weren't? 
Oh, about a thousand. They they all knew it right away because I was telling them in the driveway how he drove by and shot us up, and uh, how he drive drove by and shot us up. Plus they had the uh, plus they had the nine one one dispatch, whatever. They uh, they knew the whole story too. And isn't it true that the nine one one dispatch said, that they said you've got the wrong person? The nine one one dispatch told the officers that showed up, including SWAT. By the way, we're actually attacked by SWAT. Okay. We're actually talked by SWAT, and the nine one one operator obviously had told them that we're all that we're by ourselves in the house. We are the victims, and we come out. What boils down to is, is in my opinion, they were extremely embarrassed and the cover-up started. Okay. Okay. They attacked the wrong people. They attacked the victims. Their excuse, and, and, their excuse is he didn't know how to run his radio. I'm not joking. And who didn't know how to use his radio? The alleged, the alleged officer that tried to enter the house. And the okay, the officer that allegedly that they're alleging that you shot. Yes. So he didn't That's know correct. how to run his radio. So so they're coming in. That's so uh, okay, all right. And now the only time that you've ever seen this officer is in court. Is that correct? That's correct. I've only seen him. I've only seen him twice. I saw him at the preliminary hearing and the stand your ground hearing which actually turned into a mock immunity hearing. It was a fake hearing. Okay. Do you want to explain that? Um, in other words, it was just done for show. It was a dog and pony show. It was a dog and pony show. Basically, okay. ba- basically the judge said he had the right to enter the house and kill us all. And who was who was backup for him? Did he have backup at all, or was he entering on on his own accord? We we have since found out what's been going on there. That's a sensitive issue. I'd rather not to discuss it at this time. But the direct okay. answer is he was supposed to have. He he, he wasn't. Uh, the direct answer is it wasn't even his call, and he did it without backup, supposedly. But we also know that the entire SWAT team was basically on site surrounding the house and coming to kill us. Okay. And so why do you think that they were coming in to kill you? They weren't trying to get Hayden. They assaulted us with eight officers in two-by-two formation with a guy running point to the front door. Classic military op. If Mm -hmm. If I was a soldier in Vietnam, they used to call it running point. Mm-hmm. The part of that is that if the he per- had gotten the door open and saw Dean standing there with a gun on the door, what do you think would have happened to Dean? They went on. Oh, they went on the news dead. afterwards, and yeah, they went on the news afterward and said, "Well, I just went there he, trying to find out." And I'm quoting Chris Walker. No, I'm quoting KTUL. I think says maybe it was. Yeah, I think it was K. I think it was. And they were trying to find out what the heck was going on. All he had to, they weren't even there for black. All he had to do was open the door and he wouldn't be in jail. Wrong. I'd be in the morgue. Right. Right. Something we haven't said, and if nobody, if somebody didn't listen to last week, there was no knocking, no announcing, no ringing the doorbell, nothing. Anybody that wants to see the original news broadcast will know immediately that it's all BS. There's a whole bunch Mm -hmm. of them online. You can search Google for either Dean Black or Hayden Payne, Broken Arrow 2020. And you'll find Mm -hmm. all the broadcasts that are uh, available via Google on various uh, local news news and radio outlets. Mm -hmm. You'll know the story Mm -hmm. is just BS. Tulsa Tulsa World has one, too. And so Lori Fulbright and and this station are the only ones that are really allowing you to tell your story. Lori Fulbright uh, did a great job reporting on the story for you, right? She came back yes, on. Yes, she did. I I was I was nervous about it. I was nervous about it. Just you know the nature of the beast kind of thing. 
Yep. And I was nervous about it, but I give I give Lori credit. She she did a bang up job, and she must have she must have practiced forever to to just tell three days of story in about fifteen seconds. And yep. I and I salute her. I appreciate her. If she if she happens to hear this audio, I, I hey I I respect her for having the guts to tell it the way it was. There was one. She she used one expression that I that, that I in particular that I object to, but that's her that's her deal. But other than that, it, she did a bang up job, and she had originally been told that I was not even wounded, even though I was bleeding from about every orifice I had. Okay, okay, all right. So now, uh, so let's talk about your defense. What is your defense? Coming into court with as your defense, even though you've never even been arraigned. Well, there's several. First and foremost, they classified me as a mulatto. I am not a racist. I'm probably the least racist person anybody will ever meet. Regardless, these guys classified me as a mulatto, which means half-breed. Right. And and why do you think that? And why do you let our listeners know, please, why that is important? Because under it, it, we've all heard of the Ku Klux Klan and all that stuff. Let me just tell you, this stuff's been going on around Tulsa, Oklahoma, for at least 120 years. The race riots in 2021. I mean, the guy was accused of raping a white woman, and they end up burning down North Tulsa. Mm-hmm. I'm not joking. I'm a white guy, multi-generational, going back to the colonies. I don't really even want to be in Oklahoma. And we can get into that later. That's part of another subject. But anyway, that was first and foremost as they classified me as a mulatto. The main reason that they did that, they listed my skin color as M, as in Mike or Mary. It stands for mulatto. Mm -hmm. And... That takes you under the old slave law or the black codes of the Jim Crow laws. When you start studying this stuff out, you know where it really originates from. Mm -hmm. And it is still the law today. In fact, I pulled Mm -hmm. up some of the statutes clear back from the Enabling Act, uh, the Enabling and the Organic Enabling Acts of Oklahoma back before Oklahoma was actually a state. And Mm -hmm. And I think I even have it on the screen here. It just basically says a Negro is anybody with any a, a, a Negro is anyone with Negro b- blood in his veins, any amount of Negro but, blood in his veins. That's the statutory right. so one, The one drop rule, right? One drop rule, the, or what? What's it? Yep, yeah, that's called the one drop rule. That's correct. So let's just say I've locked horn with these guys. It's not the first time I've ever locked horns with these guys, but that's another subject for another day as well. Mm-hmm. But essentially what we're saying is, what you're saying is that, um, you know, Tulsa District has, uh, and, and as much as Oklahoma has done, um, is uh, actually under the slave law, regardless of the faith. Uh, yeah, something different for yeah, the country. Okay. and and they did it, and and they took a number of pictures of my wounds and bodies, scars and stuff like that. And for the audience, just know this: back in 2017, I I I uh, was making bacon, and I had to answer the phone while making bacon. I ended up lighting my cashmere cashmere sleeve on fire, trying to put it out. It left a third-degree burn scar on my wrist. It totally burned my left hand. It took me two months to heal up. And they took extensive pictures of that. They classified me as a mulatto. It was obvious to me. I've never been called skin color M on any form in my entire life. I'm 60 years old. I've been called mm-hmm. Caucasian. I've never been called skin color M. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't matter. It and it, it shouldn't matter. Yeah, in fact, that goes back to the Indian treaties of 1866 where they're not allowed to discriminate on skin color whatsoever. That is, in fact, the supreme law of the land today, and it's embedded in Indian treaties 
dated 1866 between the Creek, between all the tribes basically, but especially the Creek Nation and the United States government in 1866, which was after the Civil War, as well as the 1861 treaty that the Creeks had with the Confederates and where they established the racial system because the Creek Nation had traditionally owned slaves, going clear to back to the days of Georgia and the Trail of Tears. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now, all right, so essentially feel that there's a number of reasons why you're being treated this way, uh, and and this is, it includes the fact that they're, they've classified you as M. Uh, but also, instead of them having egg on their face, they would rather prosecute you, and they've actually asked you to take a plea deal. Is that correct? Yeah, they were insisting on that, and I'd, I'd motioned to recuse a couple of times bringing that up, saying basically somebody's telling me to plead or else, and I just said no, hell no. And so that pissed them off. It's that simple. Right, right. And they're asking you to take a plea deal when you have yet to be arraigned. That's correct. I, and and it's, ha- been, it's, been, it's been almost two and a half years I have not been arraigned yet. So what kind of a position does that put the judge in? Here you are. You've got all kinds of hearings. I'm, I'm looking at your uh, – let me see. I'm looking at your, your docket right now. It shows that uh, – uh, let me see in the schedule. You've got uh, your next hearing is um, discovery. It's August 11th, the discovery hearing. And then we've got a jury trial that's scheduled for December 12th. And yet yeah. you have yet to be arraigned. That's correct. And just over, in, just over this past week, uh, there are three different submissions uh, to the court. Take a look at that. Uh, we've got a motion for discovery conference. We've got a motion to compel discovery and uh, OL4 and, and acknowledgement of receipt of discovery and notice of, acknowledge, of non-acknowledgement of discovery. Can you tell yeah. us what those are about? Um, <laughs> back, in, back in February, back in February, there was a Back in February, the, that was when the original TCA or di- district court arraignment was supposed to uh, occur. I was not read the information or anything else. You'll find an objection filed to that. I forget the date. I, I can't forget the date off of that. But anyway, there's an objection to the February 28th uh, docket entry or uh, journal entry regarding what occurred that day where they said, where they claimed that they arraigned me and that I refused to plead, that I stood mute, and then an Allen hearing, uh, basically a discovery hearing, was actually scheduled for just uh, the other day, the 25th of July. I filed that objection because it actually goes back to an old English custom, back to the days of, if anybody's ever seen the movie Braveheart, called Pien Forte at Dieu. It's French, hard and forceful punishment. What they did back then is they crushed you to death. What they did was that they piled stones and stones and stones on top of you until you were crushed and died. That's no, that is his, that's historical fact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was called the Standing Mute Act of 1865 from the statute to Westminster in uh, 1275. Mm-hmm. Under King Edward the First, Edward the Longshanks. It's 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 quite an education. Education, if you once you get to know where all these really originate from. Um, yeah, it goes and, back a long ways. Okay, okay. So um, that. Let me see. I just wanted to ask you about another for for anybody that is going to be looking through this record. Um, you bring up uh, peonage and suffering and slavery. Can you ex- can you explain that, please, to our to our listeners? Yeah, it's real. Where you, it's real you simple. Using this language. Yeah, it's real simple. Um, boils down to a slave has no rights. 
slave doesn't have the right to defend himself. He has no right to say no. If the master wants to rape you, you're, allowed, you're required to, to allow the bastard to rape you. It's that simple. If he wants to kill you, you're not allowed to complain about it. You have no right to say no as a slave. That's number one. Number two, you have no castle. Slaves had no castles. They had slave dwellings on a plantation. If the master wanted to come into your house and rape you, he could. If anybody wants to know this from a biblical standpoint, go to the book of Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah talks about the same thing when they mm-hmm. were dealing with the Sumerians. And it's spelled mm-hmm. out in about seven chapters. And they, in other words, that's how they think they have the right to bust into your house and do whatever they want to you. If they want to kill you, they can kill you. If they want to rape you, they can rape you. And then they'll put you on high if you survive. That's, that's what a slave is. A peon is required to pay. In other words, if they come, the way you used to make a slave out of somebody, you just ran into the jungle, clubbed them over the head, put chains around them, put them in shackles, put them in a cage, put them on an auction block, sold them, put them on a boat, shipped them to America, for example. That's how it's done. Mm-hmm. And, it, and mm-hmm. a judge rubber stamped every step. There's no due process of law. The due process of law is, is you got put in handcuffs, put in a cage, and sold on the auction block. And so far, um, if you wanted to know, and so far, if you wanted to know the, the the amount of my bills accumulated so far and all this before I finally said to hell with attorneys, you don't want to know. Right. And so the system itself is designed to basically rob you blind and and then throw you in a cage for life. And and this and for those that have gone through the corrupt court system where it is corrupt, uh, you're not in your head. I know you are. And now you have a better understanding and an explanation of in case you didn't know that already. Um, here I'm looking at um, a, uh, a a pleading uh, filed by Dean Clayton Black, and it's Memorandum of Law, Self-Preservation of Citizen or Civilian Peon Slave. For purposes of simplifying and condensing various motions, pleadings, or hearings, generally this Memorandum of Law, Self-Preservation of Citizen or Civilian Peon Slave, will be indexed as MOL Civilian, M-O-L Civilian. Okay, then you've got Exhibit A, the judicial notice uh, from the city of Tulsa. Uh, then you've got Exhibit B, the judicial notice, the appendix of the Senate Journal, proposed amendment. Okay, so uh, can you explain the MOL, M-O-L, civilian? Yeah, M-O-L, a just being a memorandum of law. Yeah, memorandum of law okay. because, yeah, the, and, and the reality is uh, we all hear it on the TV every day, but we don't really pay attention to the words. And the mm-hmm. word is, mm-hmm. is that the police are warriors and that the civilians are, or I should say the people are civilians. They're mm-hmm. civilians. They're not citizens. They're civilians. Mm-hmm. That's the laws of war. The word civilian does not exist in the Constitution of any state or federal constitution. The, civi- the word civilian actually comes under the laws and rules of, uh, the rules and laws of war dating back to, uh, oh, what was it called? Uh, yeah, slipped my mind. Actually, uh, the uh, code, that uh, slipped my mind. goes back to basically Lincoln during the Civil War. Uh, I can't think of it. Um, anyway, I wish I could under help the laws of war, the, 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 the word civilian appears there. You'll find it under Title 10 and Title 50 United States Code. Okay. Okay. It's so. military. It's military law. In other words, in a war zone, if you're not wearing a soldier's uniform, you're a civilian. Mm-hmm. It's right okay, under so, our noses. All right, and and then we go back to we can talk straw man. We can you know we can we can talk about this all day. But essentially, you go back to our birth certificates, our social security numbers. You know, the formation of a corporation. And what what we are is all just assets, and we're assets actually, to a corporation. Yeah, it actually goes back to the classic slave law that existed in the colonies, 
you can read it in the old statutes of Mar- basically all the old all the old colonies. They were plantation colonies, and they were they were corporate charters, and they were run by the privy, basically by the privy council on on charters from the privy council under the king or under various under various regimes, whether it be England, France, Portugal, Spain, Germany, Dutch. You know what I'm saying? Sort of like the Pennsylvania Dutch, for example. But mm-hmm. but anyway, it all goes back to that, and the, the, it, it was very barbaric times, and it seems like somebody's trying to turn the clock back, and that's what that, that memorandum specifically addresses. Are we a military junta, a plantation form of government, or and apartheid? I ask those questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and this... This exhibit, this is uh, uh, 22 pages long, so I mean, you can really get quite an education just going through uh, Dean, Dean Black's um, docket. If you open it up and you and you look at what he is citing, um, the education that he's bringing forward, and uh, to some that's that's a little bit scary. Um, to yes, others, it is. It, it, mm-hmm. I, I, I you want to elaborate on that? I, I, I went clear back. I went clear back to old old records, uh, back books and stuff written by Joseph Story in particular. Probably one of my favorite references. Uh, he actually dedicated the entire series to uh, John Marshall. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, uh, uh, I rely a lot on Joseph Story stuff, but at the same time, I've gone back to the Congressional Record, clear back to 1789. Well, and, and on page seven, seven here, page seven of 22 pages, Joseph Story covers this topic extensively in his commentaries, hence combining Article 1816 with the limiting effect of the Second Amendment with one comma and Third Amendment. The people are rightfully distinct from well-regulated militia, uh, peace officer. Civilians. Yes. That, that, mm-hmm. That's key to understanding. That goes to Article 1816, which is the... Uh, mm-hmm. The, 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 the Congress shall have the power to make rules and regulations for the land and naval forces, shall organize, arm, and discipline the militia according to the discipline pres- prescribed by Congress, reserving to the states respectively the authority of training the officers according to the discipline prescribed by Congress. Back during mm-hmm. the time of the, the formation of the federal constitution as we know it today, there was a huge debate regarding specifically that provision. They were concerned about creating a mili- recreating a military dictatorship that existed back in the days of Oliver Cromwell back in England. Oliver, To know mm-hmm. how bad it was under Oliver Cromwell, he actually died of natural causes. Two years after his death, they dug him up, hung him from a pole, and decapitated him. And the purpose military, of that. He ran a military government. Yeah, they hated his guts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. War of 1812. Um, War of 1812's in there, but Oliver Cromwell's be way before that. Okay. Okay. War of 1812. Right, so- yeah, War of 1812 was, in reality, was about basically a pissing contest between New York insurance, uh, basically New York insurance companies versus Lloyd's of London. Okay, so let's let's move on to the Castle Doctrine. Let's talk about your defense. Let's talk about say you are arraigned. They're 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 saying that you were arraigned. Yes, there's no transcript um, of you being arraigned. Is there an actual? on the record that that shows that you've been arraigned? No, I have all the transcripts. Okay. All right. So you've done motions to dismiss. You've done everything that you possibly can to date to bring this to a closure. And and that's the thing. I've tried to, you know, I've tried to basically, let's call it be nice about it. I understand people make mistakes. And in the chaos of the situation, mistakes are going to get made. The problem is, is what, you know, I call it Operation Fig Leaf. You can take that out of the book of Genesis. That's why I call it that. Mm-hmm. Everybody mm-hmm. know, you know, everybody knows who ate the apple. 
everybody knew it, but they tried to hide it with a fig leaf as well. There was mm-hmm. no point that fig leaf wasn't big enough. Mm-hmm. And so that's really what's going on here. And and so it wasn't it wasn't so much that the apple got eaten. It's the fact that this thing's been dragging on for two and a half years now, and there's no point. It's just getting stupider and stupider and stupider as it goes along. And now even the judge is doing things that I'm sure she regrets. In all mm-hmm. in all fairness to Judge Moody, I. I, I think in, in, a, in a personal context, she's a very nice lady. But it gets to stuff like this on a professional level, and you got somebody like me who's basically said, I'm sick and tired of the attorneys, and I'm tired of the BS. Here's mm-hmm. what really happened, and nobody wants to talk about it. Why not? Just dismiss the case. Let it go away. We, we went out of Oklahoma. This place is a zoo. Yes. I concur, concur, and yet on its face, it pretends to be an organized, a well-organized state uh, that's doing good things. So it's um, it's it's absolutely crazy, just you know what goes on behind the scenes. And it's only if you're going through things like this that yeah, people realize what is what's really happening. And it's it's not about a party; it's it's about corruption. Period. It, it, it it's about just. Un, unreg- it's about unrestrained power. I mean, we can talk about the Ten Commandments all day long. What's the Ten Commandments? It's basically ten rules of con- restraint. Restraint. In other words, that's self-governance. You know, mm-hmm. you, you catch yourself doing one of those stupid things listed in the Ten Commandments, just stop. But you do it yourself. Mm-hmm. You don't have somebody pointing a gun barrel in your head, you know, and that's what's happened. The uh, Castle Doctrine, just I wanted to back up, this actually comes from the Mansfield Digest, is the most clear and concise statement about the Castle Doctrine in America in existence that I've found to date. And it's from the uh, Mansfield Digest, Statutes of Arkansas, uh, 1844, which was also in the organic document or the organic act for Oklahoma Territory. And it says in Section 1550, Every man's house or place of residence shall be deemed and adjudged in law his castle. To extrapolate that just a little bit further, what is a castle? You get to, and I'll quote it right here. It's from another court case. Uh, Let's see here. I'm pulling it up. This goes back to the Semaines case. It's actually quoted in Lang versus California in 2021, Supreme Court, and Coniglia versus Strom, 2021, uh, basically chasing somebody into a house. And a castle, it says, the house of everyone is as to him, his castle and fortress, as well as for defense against injury and violence. What happened is, is Hayden Payne tried to kill us. We retreat into the house, and I'm treating my wounds, trying to treat my wounds, my own. But as a slave, I'm not allowed to do that. As a slave, according to the state of Oklahoma, I have, the only one qualified to treat my wounds and put a Band-Aid on my own butt is a police officer or a state medic. You have no right to put on your own Band-Aids. I was told that verbatim. That's crazy. Yeah, these people you are not. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and what was it with Dusty? Okay, go ahead. The other, the other part of this is that the officer had no clue who he's even looking for. He doesn't know what I look like, what pain looks like. He sees nobody in, uh, he says he sees nobody in the street, in the yard, in the backyard, in the front yard. He doesn't know who Kim or Bailey are. He doesn't know who I am. He doesn't know who Payne is. And he doesn't see a, a black equinox in the street yet. He's invading our house. Why? If you read the court okay, case so- of, uh, yeah, if you read the court case of Lang versus California, in other words, he did not even distinguish between who the perpetrator and the victims were. I, I understand that. I understand that. So what do you say to the listeners that are saying, yeah, but didn't you call 911? And what did you expect? Well, okay. 
ask the ridiculous question because this is the ridiculous answer that the state maintains. Well, you called 911, therefore we have the right to come in your house and kill you. Right. <laughs> That's insane. That's insane. They kill the victims. We called 911 and told them where he was going because that's what they had told us to do 36 hours before. And there is right. a part of the part of this court case it says he has the duty and I quote I quote part 3 of uh, my uh, part 3 of one of my things the court's approach is hopeless this is this is the dissent in uh Lyman. They said the court's approach is hopelessly indeterminate in other respects as well. The court admonishes law enforcement to distinguish between, quote, dangerous offenders and scared teenagers. As if the officer can easily tell one from the other. And as if the two categories are mutually exclusive. They are. I was shot in the butt, and Hayden Payne shot us. Hayden Payne was driving away, according to witnesses, and the officers letting the guy go. Well, let me back up on that for just a second. It's it's absurd. We called 911, and yes, we expected at some point they may show up, or we expected that they would show up at some point. But we did not expect no sirens. There were no sirens. He did not knock. He did not announce. He didn't ring the doorbell. He just started opening the doors to come in. Fully he armed. He had just been shot at 43 seconds before. The last thing yeah. we saw as we're retreating into the home is the shooter walking towards our front porch shooting. In 43 seconds, no sirens, no door knock, no doorbell, no voice. How would we think that was a cop? I, I agree with you. We're on with 911, and Dean says and to 911, he's back, he's coming in. That's it. So Dean so says to 911, he's coming in as in Hayden Payne, as in the perp, is coming in. Yes. And 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 911 never said to you, no, that's the police. No. No. They didn't give us any notice whatsoever. They didn't tell us anything until 40 seconds after the fact. Maybe 30. Okay. I can't remember. 30 to 40 seconds later, they finally said, they finally said, uh, they finally said that they, they had an officer on the scene. The, and that he'd heard the shots. That's all they said. The other part of this is, is that she did not know. <laughs> Actually, I won't say she didn't know. There's some really weird stuff going on in the background here, and I'm reluctant to talk about it because it's pretty pretty nasty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, don't talk talk about anything that could hurt your case. No, it's not going to hurt me. I'm just, you know, it's just discretion. I'm being discreet. Okay. Because this whole thing should have been an internal affairs thing to begin with. And I, that's mm-hmm. what I've been telling the prosecutor since day one. My attorneys mm-hmm. know it, or former attorneys know it. I said, this is, was, and always should have been an internal affairs issue. But no, well, they don't want to do it. there immediately to be a couple. Yeah, there immediately seems to be a couple of blunders, you know, for sure. You know, the first time I believe that you uh, called 911, um, you know, 911 wound up hanging up. Is that correct? No, and, they, that, uh, oh, and, that was that was Friday night. Friday night they hung up. We found out we found out that they hung up Friday night. We couldn't figure that out, but they didn't hang up that day. They didn't hang up on the seventeenth. Right. We were right. On, yeah, okay. we were on the phone with for like eleven minutes and forty seven seconds, something like that, until then, I said, "Hey, hey, you got the wrong people, man." And then you've got Judge Miller, who who was woken up. He he did the right thing. He he uh, granted a, a protective order at two two thirty in the morning or whatever time it was. But yet, the, they they find it important enough for a, a protective order to be uh, for a judge to be woken up at two thirty in the morning, and yet they don't 
that important enough to uh, to go to this the place of residence and issue the protective order that they decide to just wait until well you know sometime around Monday you know they'll yeah. probably honestly get it served so we have some blunders here. Well, not only that, but after they, I, I realized that they'd screwed up at some point in there. I knew it was a big screw up, but I also knew there's no talking to these weirdos. Mm-hmm. And I basically just said, thought to myself, assuming I make it to the jail, and honestly, I didn't think I was going to make it to the jail. Um, mm-hmm. On the way, or I, I made up my mind I was going to write a writ of habeas, or a petition for habeas corpus so I could get in front of a judge immediately and get this thing fixed up immediately, and I would have, should have been released immediately. Wrong, defendant, mm-hmm. arrested. They even say that in their own stuff. Wrong, defendant, arrested. They screwed up. Wrong, they defendant, just assumed, arrested. Yep, wrong, defendant, arrested. I wrote a habeas petition. He got stuffed. In my, I thought the guy was going to tear it up. He put it, I managed to get him to put it in my property bag. I still have it today. I tried to get it in front of a judge then. The judge shut me down, wouldn't let me talk. I have since found out they assigned a public defender to me, even though I didn't even friggin' know it because we were having what I call a max headroom courtroom via televideo, and apparently there was a public defender supposedly taken up on my behalf for a bond hearing. I didn't even know this person was there. Was he there? In other words, they had assigned a public defender to me without my knowledge or consent. They basically gave an attorney a power of attorney for me. Without my knowledge or consent, I was trying to tell the judge, hey, I got habeas corpus, get me a real judge, get me out of here. Right. I was held in so They, assigned a, they assigned a public defender, but don't you have to fill out an application for a public defender? Yes, normally, yes. Yes. I didn't. At the same time, we had personal counsel trying to get in to speak with him, and they refused. Yeah, I had outside counsel trying to get hold of me in the jail for four days, and they were not allowed to talk to me. I finally got, I finally, they actually set up a televideo conference with an attorney while I was still in lockup, and I was hoping to be able to get the habeas through him. Well, they set up this televideo conference, but it never went through, and then they blamed the computer. But other thing, I actually got one telephone call with him, but it was only 60 seconds long. I barely got my name, and I barely got my name out and his name out. We basically said hello to each other, and they terminated the call. So they had to bail me out. They're trying to control the narrative. They're trying to control the narrative of this case from the very beginning. They're denying yeah. you your own private counsel. They're assigning the public defender. Uh, we've got one and a half minutes, so we're going to have to shut this down for to, for tonight. Uh, but this is the pattern of injustices that uh, continue to happen in Tulsa County and throughout Oklahoma. Uh, Dean and, and Kim Black, we're going to have you back on again. We're going to continue this. You've got some more court hearings. Uh, I want to thank you for continuing to sh- share your story, to clarify it, where your voice is heard and your story is told. And uh, we'll get you back on again very, very soon um, for series for part three of this series. I just wanted for everybody who was following Tamson and Reggie Bowles and their children uh, that have been taken away from them, uh, that they are that the kids are back in with a trial. Uh, with a trial with their family. Isn't that something else? They were wrongfully taken away from their parents, and the kids are back with a trial, uh, trying to see how it goes. You know, this is all because of the fact that the Bulls don't believe in the vaccinations, of course, is what it boils right down to. it. But right now they have a trial reunification taking place. So there's some good news happening there. Um, And we're going to have them on and follow up with them uh, fairly shortly as well. Um, Dean and Kim, once again, I want to thank you so much for coming back on and sharing more of this story with us and, you know, keep up the fight and we will have you back on again on, uh, hopefully it'll be next Sunday. Sounds okay. like a winner and, and focus in on anybody who wants to look it up. Habeas corpus is the great writ of liberty. It's been abrogated. They're not giving it to anybody. 
I'm Tanya Hathaway, and I'm your host with Tanya Talks, where your voice is heard and your stories told. I'm Marty Oakley's TS Radio Network and Stephen Burke's 89.9 KLRB Lighthouse Christian Radio. Thank, thank you for tuning in. God bless. And good night. Good night.